answer to her need to go and talk to the king. And she turned around and told Mordecai, well, if I go and see the king and he doesn't raise the scepter, there's only one rule for me, and that is death. And um, so Mordecai turns around and challenges her again and says, yeah, but, you know, who says that, you know, if you don't go, that you're still going to be spared? Nobody in the palace knew she was a Jew. The king still doesn't know she's Jewish. Uh, Haman doesn't know that she's Jewish. And that's obvious as we see in a couple chapters from now. Haman had no idea that the queen was Jewish. And I don't think the king even knew that it was the Jews that Haman was, wrote the writ for to try to destroy. But so we ended last week with the challenge and Esther turns around. But I'm going to read, look at Matthew 16, 24. You know, Mordecai looks at Esther and says, you know, who knows, but for this reason, you have been called into the palace. You know, for this point in time. God. How was you? Oh, okay. All right. So, I had a phone call this morning at 3 in the morning from overseas. I have no idea who it was from and whatever. So, uh, but anyway. All right, so Jesus said to his disciples, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up the cross and follow me. Is there more to that? Or that's not it. Yeah. Um, oh, that's what I have. It's just 24. That's good. Okay. So, uh, you know, Esther is there. She's with a challenge. You and I are standing here. We have the same challenge. God wants to challenge our hearts. You know, that we need to realize that, you know, and the, the following verse says that whosoever <coughs> uh, decides to save his life will lose it, and whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. Life is in Christ. That is the only place for real life. And apart from him, there is no life. It is just empty routine and running through the mundane. And, you know, life is all wrapped up in my relationship to Jesus Christ. And uh, But so that was the challenge. And then Esther answers it, and she says, if I perish, I perish. So look at Esther 4, 15 to 17. This is where we're so then Esther sent this reply to Mordecai. Go and gather together all the Jews who are in Susa and fast for me. Do not eat or drink for three days, night or day, and I and my attendants will fast as you do. When this is done, I will go to the king, even though it is against the law. And if I perish, I perish. So Esther has given her life over and says, whatever is going to happen, that's okay. But why does Esther ask them to fast and pray for three days? It is an amazing thing. You know, and I'm going to take you through a whole list of scriptures. And we're going to start in Matthew chapter 12, verse 39 and 40. So in Matthew 12 and 39, the, the scribes and the Pharisees come to Jesus and they say, 
okay, show us a sign. You know, show us. You know, you're telling us, you know, you're the son of God. Show us a sign. And he says, the answer to wicked and adulterous generation asks for a sign, but none will be given it except the sign of the prophet Jonah. Go ahead. For as Jonah was three days and three nights in the belly of a huge fish, so the Son of Man will be three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. He looks at it and says, there's going to be no sign given except the sign of Jonah the prophet. They know what Jonah was about. They know the whole story of Jonah. Look at Jonah 1, uh, verse... Jonah 1, 17. So Jonah, you know, he was, he was told to go down to Nineveh. He didn't want to go to Nineveh. He turns around and says, no, Lord. Actually, he does the exact opposite of Esther did. Esther says, if I perish, I perish. Jonah doesn't want to do that. So, but then, so Jonah has a problem on the ship. They decided it was his problem. They threw him overboard. And the Lord provided a huge fish to swallow Jonah and Jonah was in the belly of the fish three days and three nights. But look what goes on in Jonah's heart in chapter 2. To the roots of the mountains he sank down, the earth beneath me barred me forever. But you, Lord my God, brought my life up from the pit. When my life was ebbing away, I remembered you, Lord, and my prayer rose to you to your holy temple. Those who cling to worthless idols turn away from God's love for them. But I, with shouts of grateful praise, will sacrifice to you when I have vowed that I will make good. I will say salvation comes from the Lord. But in the middle of the belly of the fish, I mean, it's not just the fact that he was three days and three nights. Look at what he begins to resolve in his own heart while he's in there for three days and three nights. And then he finally looks to the Lord and resurrection comes to him after three days. <clears throat> Look at um, Jonah 3.3. Uh, 3. Jonah now comes out of the well. He obeys the word of the Lord and went to Nineveh. And Nineveh was a very large city. It took three days to go through it. It was three full days of preaching to the town of Nineveh, repent or perish. At the end of the three days, what happens? Nineveh repents. But it was a three days journey. All right, now, we're going to do a little bit more. Look at um, Matthew 16, 21. From that time on, Jesus began to explain to his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things at the hands of the elders, the chief priests and the teachers of the law, and that he must be killed and on the third day be raised to life. Now, you know, the whole story of Jonah, now he prophesies this is almost nine or ten times in scripture. Jesus prophesies about his resurrection on the third day. But he says, this is what's going to happen. I'm going to rise on the third day. Look at Gen uh, Genesis 22, 1 to 4. We're back in the book of Genesis. We're looking at Abraham and Isaac. Sometime later, God tested Abraham. He said to him, Abraham, here I am, he replied. 
Then God said, take your son, your only son, whom you love, Isaac. And by the way, Ishmael was no longer there. Ishmael had been sent away, so Isaac was his only son at that point in time. And he says, take your son, your only son, whom you love, Isaac, and go to the region of Moriah and sacrifice him there as a burnt offering on a mountain I will show you. Early the next morning, Abraham got up and loaded his donkey. He took with him two of his servants and his son Isaac. When he had cut enough wood for the burnt offering, he set out for the place God had him about. Go ahead. On the what? Third day, Abraham looked up and saw the place in the distance. For three days and three nights, Isaac was dead in his eyes. He had already agreed with God that he was going to sacrifice his son. And for three days and three nights, his son Isaac was dead. On that third day, when God provides the lamb as the sacrifice, it, you know, there's two pictures there. One obvious is that Isaac is the picture of the son of God. He's a type. Nobody could have made that up. And when you do the story of Joseph later on, I mean, it's Joseph is a phenomenal story. How, well, actually, both Isaac and Joseph are phenomenal stories and pictures and types of Jesus Christ in the Old Testament. Nobody could have made that up. The books were written thousands of years apart. The stories are thousands of years apart, and they begin to take place. So, now uh, we drop to Luke 2, 46. This one amazes me. This one amazes me. In Luke 2, and by the way, what is, you know, here's one right after the birth of Christ. And in Luke 2, 46, Mary and Joseph discovered that Jesus was what? He wasn't with them. He was missing. They had left Jerusalem. They were out, and all of a sudden they realized, where's Jesus? So after what? Three days they found him in the temple court sitting among the teachers. For three days Jesus was lost to his parents in Luke's chapter 2. And after those three days, where do they find him? They find him sitting among the teachers, listening to them and asking them questions. And he says, I, do you not know that I must be about my father's business? But, you know, for three days and three nights, Jesus was lost to his own parents in Luke chapter 2. Um, Acts chapter 9, 9. Saul is coming down and he gets blinded off the, 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 the horse and the voice comes out of heaven and says, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? And Saul is blinded. For three days, Saul was blind and did not eat or drink. At the end of the three days, the scales were lifted and he could see at the end of those three days. Um, Genesis 40, verse 12 to 23. <clears throat> Here's part of the story of Joseph. This is just a very small part. Joseph is such an unbelievable picture. This is what it means, Joseph said to him. The three branches are three days. Within three days, Pharaoh will lift up your head and restore you to your position, and you will put Pharaoh's cup in his hand just as you used to do when you were the cupbearer. Now they were in jail at the time. The cupbearer had this dream, and he asked Joseph to interpret it. Joseph interprets the dream. 
but in three days you will be lifted up back to your former position of you know who you really are. Um, so, uh, and then uh, the rest of the story goes in there. But I just want to keep show. I just want to show you these. Uh, look at Hosea chapter six. We're almost done here with these. Hosea chapter six, verse one and two. Prophecy from Hosea it says, Come, let us return to the Lord. He has torn us to pieces, but he will heal us. He has injured us, but he will bind up our wounds. After two days, he will revive us, and on the third day, he will restore us, that we may live in his presence. Um, John 2. Oh, wait a minute. Uh, no, I'm sorry. 1 Corinthians 15. 3 to 6. Now Paul's sharing, he says, For I, what I received I passed on to you as the first importance, that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures, Go ahead. that he was buried, that he was raised on the third day according to the scriptures. You know what's significant about this is that Paul knew the Old Testament. Paul knew the Old Testament so well that as he begins to teach the people he begins to emphasize the importance of the resurrection, you know, and then the evidence that he was seen by, appeared to Cephas under the twelve, but then um, he appeared to more than 500 brothers and sisters at the same time, most of whom are still living, so if you don't believe me, go and ask them, though some have fallen asleep. But Paul talks about the importance of being resurrected on the third day. Um, <clears throat> John 2, 19. There's two more, and then we're going back to the book of Esther. So Jesus answered them. He's sitting there. Now, by the way, Jesus just threw everybody out of the temple at this point in time. He scourged everything, and he was, you know, with them. And then he said, he looked at him and said, destroy this temple, and I will raise it again in three days. And one verse I don't have written down was, when Jesus was died on the cross, the scribes and the Pharisees went to the Romans and said what? Hey, you know what? They kept saying this guy's going to rise on the third day. We need to put a guard over that tomb and make sure nothing happens. Because unless the apostles come and steal his body away, and then they start spreading the rumor that he rose. They knew it. They knew. Jesus made it very clear. He says, you put me on the cross, I'm rising in three days. So... <clears throat> um, uh, we skip, we'll skip Mark 8, 2. But uh, i just tell you that in Mark 8, 2, Jesus feeds the 4,000 because they've been with him for three days. And now he puts the bread in the hands of his disciples and allows a miracle to take place as the disciples are passing out the bread to these people after three days. There are 75 references to the third day in Scripture. We've just scratched the surface. But now we repeat, why does Esther ask them to pray and fast for three days? What, what, what do they pray about? What are they praying for? You know, there's no doubt, you know, when you look at the book of Esther, some people challenge whether it's, vil vil it's validity for being in the canon of Scripture. Both the Jews and the Gentiles have put the book of Esther into the canon of Scripture. You have no greater picture than the resurrection of Christ and the power 
that takes place on the resurrection. You know, um, he says. Um, <clears throat> so, what do they pray about? Look at Ephesians chapter one. For this reason, this is Paul praying. You know, if we really want to do a, a really unique study on prayer, go through the New Testament and look at Paul's prayers for believers. But he says, for this reason, ever since I heard about your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for all God's people, I have not stopped giving thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers. I keep asking that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation. For what reason? So that you may know him better. I pray <clears throat> that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you, the riches of his glorious inheritance in his holy people. And watch this. And his incomparably great power for us who believe. That power is the same as the mighty strength he exerted when he raised Christ from the dead and seated him at his right hand in heavenly realms, far above all rule and authority, power, dominion, and every name that is invoked not only in the present age, but also in the one to come. What's Paul's prayer? That we would begin to understand the power of the resurrection of Christ in us. You know, one of the most interesting things is that we focus so much on the death of Christ. But on the death of Christ, the guilt and penalty of our sin was paid. But the ability to live in newness of life comes with the resurrection with him when we are raised with him from the dead. But now, look at Esther Chapter 5, Chap verse 1. We end verse chapter 4 with Esther asking the people to pray for three days, three nights, to fast, to pray. But she had already made up her mind that she was going to the king. But she waited three days to do this. But she had already determined before those three days that if I perish, I perish. But I've got to go to the king. But now you have the picture. Now remember, as we look at the book of Esther, Esther has been a picture of a believer, Mordecai the picture of the Holy Spirit, the king the picture of an unbeliever, and Haman the picture of the flesh. But working with the believer, now you have Esther who had been living in sumptuous living, even unaware of what had been pronounced on her people, the Holy Spirit has gone to her, challenged her to what she has to do, and now she prays for three days and three nights, and on the third day, Esther put on her royal robes and stood in the inner court of the palace in front of the king's hall. The king was sitting on his royal throne in the hall facing the entrance. 
So now Esther has put her whole life on the line. But how do you have as a believer the ability to put your life in jeopardy for the sake of the gospel or for the sake of the people? In this case, it was Esther for her people. But we can only do that in the power of the resurrected Christ living and working in us. It is not I, you know, um, oh, what's the boy, the name just left me. Um, there's an organization out there that just talks about the persecuted church. You, it's amazing. We're so unaware, you know, how many believers are losing their lives for the sake of the gospel in this world today. How do people put their life on the line for the gospel? It's because of the power of Christ in me, the hope of glory. It is Christ in us. Look at Romans 6. By the way, nobody could have made this up. You know, the third day, Esther stands before the king. You know, the picture of the resurrected believer. You know, a believer beginning to walk in the power and the strength of who we are in Christ. <clears throat> Romans 6, 1 to 11. Go ahead. What shall we say then? Shall we go on sinning so that grace may increase? Well, by no means. We are those who have died to sin. On, on that day Jesus died upon the cross, we died with him. Our sin nature died with him. The only thing that makes our sin nature alive is when we resurrected by our choice. Because it died with him. How can we live in it any longer? Right. Or don't you know that all of us who were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? We were therefore buried with him through baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, we too may live a new life. We have been raised with him to walk in that newness of life. Go ahead. For, we have, for if we have been united with him in a death like his, we will certainly also be united with him in a resurrection like his. For we know that our old self was crucified with him so that the body ruled by sin might be done away with. And, and notice this word. For we know. What does that mean? When it says we know, do we know that the body of sin was crucified with him so that the body ruled by sin might be done away with? We no longer need to be controlled by our sinful nature, by our desires and the habit patterns that are in our life, that we can say no to our, our habit patterns, laziness, whatever you want to call it, we can do away with, that we should no longer be slaves to sin. Go ahead. Because anyone who has died has been set free from sin. Not only has the penalty of our sin been dealt away with, but the power of our sin has been dealt away with. Now, if we died with Christ, we believe that we also live with him. I heard an interesting phrase. And uh, our life is not in the death, our life is in Christ and in his resurrected life. 
just as he died for our sin and the penalty of our sin was taken away with him, the ability to live a new life comes with our life in Christ, to be found in him. As I'm in Christ, I have the power to live a new life. Uh, for we know that since Christ was raised from the dead, he cannot die again. Death no longer has mastery over him. The death he died, he died to sin once for all, but the life he lives, he lives to God, and we live it with him. But in the same way, count yourselves dead to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus. But the word count, King James is reckoned, <clears throat> that word is a faith application of truth. The truth, you know, to know him, um, Philippians 3, he, Paul says, to know him and the power of his resurrection in my life. Now, Paul was almost at the end of his Christian life, and he was still praying that prayer. But he says, I want to know him and the power of his resurrection in my life. That needs to be our prayer every day, that we, when we get out of bed, I want to know him, I want to know the power of his life, because when I have and understand the power of his life in me, I have the ability mentally to begin to reckon myself dead in the sin and alive in the God. And every day we battle in a world that is battling us, trying to discourage us, trying to defeat us. And we need to come to a point in our lives where we recognize that, Lord, this is a battle. The truth is won by faith. As you have therefore received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk ye in him. We receive him by faith. We walk in him by faith. But that faith is the application of the truth of what happened at Calvary. Not just that the penalty of our sin has been done away, but the power of the resurrected life has been given to us. And we rose from the dead with the Lord in newness of life. We have a new nature. And we also have a new heart. And that new heart has new <coughs> desires. And it's interesting, the desires of that heart when we begin to learn to listen to the desires of the new man and the desires of the heart that God has given us, how God redirects our lives. <clears throat> but if we don't believe that God has given us a newness of life with the Spirit of God within us, we will never listen to the Holy Spirit if we don't believe He speaks to us daily with the desires of our new heart to please God, to walk with Him, and to love people. <clears throat> as God would have in front of us. Any thoughts? More questions? I've never done this. I ended up at 12 right on the dot. <laughs> Father, thank you for loving us. Lord, your pictures in the Old Testament are unbelievable. How <clears throat> Esther, for three days, had made the choice of what a to yield herself to you or to continue to live in sumptuous living, plain roulette. But Lord, the only way we can live for you is in your power and your strength and walking in a resurrected life. <clears throat> Thank you for the Old Testament and the pictures you show us. Lord, it, it amazes me. It's going to amaze me for the day I die. So much scripture. The, the, the depth of your